right, Psalm uh, 23, Psalm 23, we're going to continue through this psalm. It's hard to believe we've already, this is our eighth message out of Psalm 23. I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have. We're in ch uh, chapter 23, Psalm 23, verse number four tonight. Spent a little time in this last Sunday night, and we'll pick it up. Now, one thing I was thinking about before I came in here tonight was if you were here or you were listening this morning, the message was about David. And the message was about a time in David's life where God took him through a dark experience in the, the city known as Ziklag. And uh, that same individual that God did that in his life is the same individual God used to pen the words that we call Psalm 23. And we continue this psalm, really a psalm of David, about our shepherd. It begins in verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We look at this psalm and it, you, know, you think about the world we're living in today, that living in what the Bible calls perilous times, it's kind of hard sometimes to find comfort uh, when it's perilous times. Comfort is difficult to find sometimes. Some days are more difficult than others some challenges that we face. Last Sunday, we looked at the first part of verse number four, this same verse, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David writes here, and we're reminded that as God is our shepherd, we are his sheep. And as sheep, we find comfort over and over again in the psalm, and that is in the presence of of our shepherd. You know, it seems like when things are going in our lives, maybe in a way we don't want them to or don't expect them to, we seem to find ourselves like David was in Ziklag, away from God. It seems like there's miles and miles between us and our shepherd. But when the shepherd is close, we're in his presence, there's comfort. I think that's one of the reasons why this psalm is so very popular because it's a constant reminder that the Lord is with us. No matter what we face in life, that we find comfort in his presence. And I think as we progress with Psalm 23, we find the further we get into this psalm or the deeper we get into this psalm, really we, we are moving closer to the shepherd. And you'll see that tonight. Notice, first of all, that our shepherd is personal. I love this about the Lord in my life, and I'm sure you could say the same for yourself. But he says here in verse number four, for thou art with me. Boy, it's, to me, that's a huge shot in the arm to know that everywhere I go, God goes with me. That his Holy Spirit dwells in me. That, that our shepherd is personal and he in our lives is providing our needs. Do you know that God knows what you have need of before you ask? He's a personal God. He's a personal shepherd. And in our lives as his sheep, 
listen, I hope you do this on a regular basis. I hope you brag on him. I hope you love to tell others about him and exalt him, testify about him. Listen, God's people ought to be talking about how dear he is to us. As sheep, we ought to be talking about our shepherd. There's a world of difference between talking about the Lord and talking to the Lord. Do you understand the difference? I mean, we can, we can sit around, and by the way, I think we should. I think in our lives as Christians, we ought to talk about the Lord. People don't know the Lord. I, I was 20 years old before I was saved. I, didn't, I, I knew about the Lord, but I didn't know the Lord. And we need to be making sure that we are talking to the Lord, having sweet communion with Him in, a, in our lives. And I think a great illustration of this in the Old Testament is a man that many times we look to in difficult times, the man by the name of Job. And when you get to the book of Job, 42 chapters, when you start at the beginning of the book of Job, really what you see is in the eyes of the Lord that Job was a great man. The Bible records there in chapter 1 that God viewed Job as an upright man, one that was perfect or complete, mature, one that feared God, and he eschewed evil. The word eschewed means to shun, to avoid evil in his life. And that's how the book, that's how we're introduced to Job. But as you go through all of those chapters in the book of Job, and of course the friends, so-called, that Job had, you know what had happened with his wife and his whole situation with his health, and of course how Satan came into the picture. When you get to the end of the book of Job, you see something different than you saw at the beginning of the book because what we find is, is that after God dealt with Job, and that's what he did, that God purged his life. And in chapter 42, look at the first three verses where we read, Then Job answered the Lord after all that had been said, Job answered the Lord, and he said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Notice his admission here. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. What was Job saying after God had dealt with him, after God had purged him? Job was really saying that when he spoke in his life, that he really didn't, as it says here, I understood not. Job really didn't understand what he was saying. You ever been around somebody like that that are saying some things, but they really don't understand what it is that they're saying? That's what Job was saying here. And Notice as he continues here in verse number four, he says, Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. He says, I have heard of thee. Notice this. By the hearing of the ear, but now, he says, mine eye seeth thee. Notice he says, wherefore, because I see thee, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job's whole outlook on his life 
and his whole view of God changed. He said, Lord, now I know you. I don't just know about you. I know you. God's a personal God. Do you know him or do you just know about him? Again, don't get me wrong. I think it's good to know about God. I think, uh, again, many of us, we should talk about the Lord. We should, we should brag about the Lord. We should tell people about the Lord. But folks, can I tell you tonight that many of us probably do not have a, a personal communion with the Lord. You know, you can go through your life and be a Christian, be saved on your way to heaven, but not have a close personal relationship with the Lord. A lot of times we go through the motions. And this is kind of what he's addressing here. Yes, we should talk about the Lord. And yes, we should brag about him. And certainly we should tell others about him. The Bible tells us to be a witness. But we shouldn't view God from a distance. We should commune with him as we walk through, as he describes here in verse number four, maybe sometimes in our lives, the, the valley of the shadow of death. But David says this, he says, as I go through those situations in my life, he says, thou art with me. God's a personal God. Wherever we go, he's with us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You know, little folks, we cannot just, uh, it's not just a fact that we quote that we know God, but it needs to be a reality in our daily life that he is real to us, that he is with us, and that we enjoy spending time with him. I think of the Apostle Paul. What a great testimony that he had after he got saved. And Paul was giving a testimony to the church in Philippi, those saints there, and, and Paul was testifying, and really what he was saying to them was, and, and by the way, Paul was a man that had, of course, the education, the upbringing, the background, and all these things, but Paul was really saying, Everything that I have in my life, everything that I was, everything that I claim to be, Paul was saying that compare all those things to Jesus. He says, you know what they are? He says, they're but dung. He says, they're just waste. He says, none of that really matters, but he goes on in Philippians 3.10. He says, that I may know him. I want to know him. Do you know how you get to know the Lord? By spending time with Him in His Word. By spending time with Him in prayer. Having communion with Him. Paul says, look at this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Certainly, if there was anybody that could testify of of the sufferings that they went through in life, the Apostle Paul could easily identify how many times he was beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned and left for dead. Paul says, I want to know him in a greater way. Why? Because he's a personal God. He's not a God. Listen, as a child, I literally, for many years of my life, when I, when I would walk into a certain building or our house, there was a crucifix hanging on the wall with a figurine on it. 
And for many years, I thought that's where the Lord was. He's not on the cross. And he's not in the borrowed tomb. Jesus is alive today. And understand that he's not a, a, a God on a cross. He's the God that lives within us. He's the God that is with you today as he was with David, as he was, he's with those that go through the valley of the shadow of death. And when David writes, thou art with me, David wasn't talking about God. Get this. He was talking to God. While he's walking through, he was having a conversation with the Lord. Folks, you have to understand, wherever you go, God is with you. You don't have to talk about him like he's some distant God that you cannot know. You can talk with him. You can talk to him. What a privilege we have to boldly come before the throne of grace and talk to God. This communion is something that is very dear to us as his children, as his sheep. And the Lord doesn't want a distant glance from us. The Lord wants an up-close personal relationship with him. You see, our shepherd, aren't you glad that he's personal? David really sets the tone at the very beginning of this psalm. Notice in verse 1 again, the Lord is my shepherd. That's David's testimony. That ought to be yours. This week when you go through life and what you face at work or out in the public, and you're dealing with things, maybe, maybe you'll find yourself going through some valleys. Be mindful of this, that your personal shepherd, he's with you. He's there with you. You can talk to him. Don't just talk about him. He's a personal shepherd. But notice, he is a powerful shepherd. Go back in verse number four, look at it. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. Notice these words, they, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. That's kind of interesting. You think about the shepherd and you see these instruments, the rod and the staff. Now the rod, again, this is probably the best picture I could come up with. I actually thought about, about making a, a rod and a staff. But a rod was something that was a short, kind of a heavy club-like. They said it's, it's something just like what you would see a police officer use today, like a baton. And then the staff, of course, the shepherd's staff, many times we see them with like a, a crook in them or maybe a hook on the end of them. And again, the, these were... Very Look, if you're going to uh, perform the, the trade, whatever it is, you have to have the tools. Years ago, I was just getting started doing some things as a husband, and my birthday was coming around, and my wife said to me, she said, what do you want for your birthday? And uh, I don't know why, but her, her sister that's uh, two sisters down from her somehow got into giving towards this gift for me, but... My wife said, what do you want? I said, I'd like a, a cordless screw gun. And I'll never forget, my wife said, well, what are you going to do with that? And I said, well, I'm going to use it on whatever I can. And, uh, and so they, they did. They got together. As a matter of fact, I had it for many, many years. 
it was one of the first generation screw guns that came out. And I, I remember I, I loved it and I used it. As a matter of fact, I wore it out. And, and I, 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 I made sure that any occasion that I had, I would, I would say to her, hey, you remember how you told me that, what, what would you ever use it for? And I wore the thing out. So it helped me over the years to buy other tools, you know, because I'm always, I'm always fixing or trying to fix something for her. But I think of the shepherd and the tools. Here's the tools. We wouldn't think of these as tools, but again, if a shepherd's going to be a shepherd, he has to have what he needs so that he could take care of the sheep. And so you see here, the Bible mentions in verse number four, thy rod and thy staff. Now there's been some, and I, as I studied this week, there's been some that want to say that these are really the one in the same, that part of the staff actually would be used as the rod. Personally, as I study that, I feel like that they are two separate pieces of equipment. But the shepherd, I love this, just uses simple things. I mean, you don't find trees that are, have a crook in them, and so no doubt they would, there would have to be some time spent to prepare to have a, a hook on this shepherd's staff. And of course, the, the rod was kind of a solid, uh, heavy piece. They, they say that many shepherds would actually put some types of metal or something on the end of it, almost to, to, to create more of a weapon with it. And they say that many times this, this thing would, would be something that was heavy that they would even throw, and, and maybe an animal, that maybe a wolf or something that's coming after the sheep. The shepherd just uses simple things. The rod was really a weapon. That's what it was meant to be. It became a, an extension of the shepherd's arm, the shepherd's body the rod. The shepherd also carried this staff, this long stick that many times would use for walking, but there were many other uses for the staff. The staff was used for the shepherd himself to lean upon it. The, shepherd, the staff would, would be used by the shepherd to guide the sheep. Sometimes with the, with the hook of the, the staff, the shepherd would use it to retrieve a sheep because, you know, the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. As sheep, we're prone to wander. And our shepherd has a way of, of retrieving us. It, there are times where maybe a shepherd would have a sheep that would kind of wander off, maybe get into an area of water that as the waters were starting to pull the, the, the lamb out, to, and it would eventually drown unless the shepherd would intervene, he would take that staff and he would somehow hook it and bring it back to the shoreline. Or maybe the sheep would find its way into some sort of briar, some thicket, and that shepherd, instead of having to go in there after it, the shepherd would use that staff to reach in and kind of hook the sheep and bring the sheep back out to himself. There were many uses that he would use to guide and retrieve. But the rod was used primarily to guard the sheep. And the staff was used primarily to guide the sheep. Did you get those two words? One was used to guard them. One was used to guide them. And we see this in so many other ways, not only in the Bible, but in our own lives. But I love how he says that thy rod and thy staff, they 
comfort me. In the Bible, in, before we get to the book of Psalms, we find the man by the name of Moses. Moses was given the responsibility, really almost as a shepherd, that God had him where he did so that he could lead God's people out of bondage, out of Egypt's land. And so this was the task that Moses was given. It was the responsibility of leading Israel out of, out of uh, Egypt. And so he was to go there and he was to lead them out. And the Bible records that as he led them out, that if you remember, they, they made their way out to what is known as the Red Sea. And there they were, they were uh, all the, the children of Israel, they're out in the wilderness and they begin to grumble and complain because here comes the the army of Pharaoh that's coming up fast upon them and they're complaining and basically saying, did you bring us out of Egypt to let us die in the wilderness? That's the way people are sometimes. And you see this account here how they, they begin to even say that, boy, we had it so good in Egypt. How <laughs> quickly they forgot the bondage, the taskmasters, what all that they had to go through. So here they are, and they're looking to their shepherd. They're looking to Moses that led them out. Moses is standing there, and, and, and they're, they're complaining to him about, what are we going to do now? And notice what the Bible says in Exodus 14. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today. Notice, for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I mean, listen, I, at this point, I don't even really know if Moses knew exactly what was going to happen, but what happens as you read on is God told Moses to take what was in his hand, that rod. The Bible calls it in one place, the rod of God. And God tells Moses, he says, I want you to raise up that rod, lift it up. That rod was a symbol of power. It was a symbol of authority. God says, I want you to raise that rod up. Look at verse number 16. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea. And divide it. Did Moses divide the sea? No, God did. But God said, I want you to lift up the rod. And notice, as he did, God divided the sea. And the children of Israel, he says, shall go over, he says, go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, when they come to Psalm 23, and they read here, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's the same word used in Psalm 23 as it was in Exodus with Moses about the rod that he was to hold up. See, the Hebrews, when they came to Psalm 23, they understood that the rod was powerful. That the rod actually represented or helped them to remember that, that God, back at the Red Sea experience, God was able to deliver them, that they walked across on dry ground, that God defeated their enemies. See, they understand that when they think about the rod. And look, the shepherds, they would use the, this rod 
for so many reasons. One reason that they would use it, notice here, is they would use the rod to count the sheep. Look all the way back in your notes there in Leviticus 27. Concerning, look at this, the tithe of the herd. Remember, the Bible tells us that the tenth belongs to the Lord, the first fruits. So look, we may give dollars and cents for wages that we've earned, but understand that if you were a husbandman, a farmer, if you were one that had cattle, that you gave the tithe of your herd. That's what the Bible says here concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth, notice the words, under the rod, whatever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So the shepherds, just like those other farmers that had different types of animals, they would, they would allow their sheep to pass under the rod. And the Bible says here that they would count them as they would go under the rod. And that same hand that actually would deal with them as sheep, that would maybe chasten them with that rod, the same hand was the one that, that actually cared for them, that loved them. That kind of interesting. You know, I think about as parents, God gave us four children. Many of you have children. Maybe some of yours, your children are grown like ours. And I know there were times when my children were younger that there were times where we had to use the rod. And the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. And it was something that we did. But listen, the same hand that that corrected or disciplined, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Look, the same hand that would discipline them is the same hand that loves them and cares for them. The same hand as the, as the shepherd with the sheep that counted them was the same one that maybe had to deal with them, the same one that loved them and cared for them. And so while the sheep would pass under the rod, kind of interesting, the shepherd with his staff, he would touch them. He would just touch them as he counted them as they were going underneath of this. And many times he would call them by name. And as he called them by name, what was he doing? He was showing to these sheep how much he loved them, how much he cared for them. Listen, the Bible says this, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. We see a great picture here. He counted them. He called them by name. He showed them how much he loved them. Shepherds would, would sometimes part the wool of sheep with this rod. As he would part the wool, what was he doing? He was actually looking because the wool would grow to a certain length. And as, as the sheep were outside in the pastures all the time, maybe there were, there were things that had gotten onto them that you could not see because of the wool. So he would take the rod and he would actually use it to part the wool. Well, what was he doing? He was looking for things. He was looking for something that maybe had gotten beneath the wool, maybe something that had harmed them. Maybe a sheep had rubbed up against some briars or something, and it had cut them, and maybe there was some oil or some salve that was needed to heal that, and you couldn't see it because of the wool. And he would use this rod so that he could see if there was anything that might happen to them, maybe some type of disease that was coming upon these sheep. Listen, he loved them, he cared for them. 
Notice what it says in Psalm 139. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As I was thinking about Psalm 23, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I was thinking about this verse here. The word search, search me, O God. The word search means to look beneath. The psalmist is really saying in Psalm 139, listen, part things in my life, God, so that you can see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, listen, we all know that God can see our innermost parts. God knows our heart. We can fool everyone, but we cannot fool God. And the psalmist says here, as a powerful shepherd, he says, look beneath, see if there is anything there in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for times in my life that maybe there was something in my life that God searched me and he stopped me from doing something I shouldn't be doing. I'm thankful for times in my life when God found something in my life that shouldn't have been there. Don't ask the Lord to search you unless you're prepared to, for the fact that He will see what is beneath. He will find it. And He will show it to you. See, the shepherd for the sheep would look beneath the surface. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad and thankful for times in your life as His sheep that he's caused you to pass under his rod. That he's looked in your life. Sheep, sheep oftentimes would pass by the shepherd. And shepherds report sometimes that sheep are kind of strange animals because they get very jittery and nervous. And what the shepherd would do if he saw a sheep that was kind of acting this way is he would lay his staff against them as they were walking by him and as he would lay his staff he wouldn't hit them with it he would just kind of lay it up against them as they were walking by him and they they say that what would happen is is that the sheep would then calm down they would be comforted again just by the touch of the shepherd Many times, especially in these past couple months, our spirit and our soul, as much like we studied David this morning, has been grieved and distressed. Listen, if he's a personal God, the instruments that he uses in, it, in our lives, his rod, his staff, they should bring comfort in your life. God loves you. God's going to use these in your life, just the way that David describes here in Psalm 23. Our shepherd is personal. Why? Because he is with us. And our shepherd is powerful. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But notice also that our shepherd is present. I love this about the shepherd that we have, how he is near us. 
He wouldn't be a good shepherd if he wasn't near us. You know what I really believe? I believe he's here right now. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's promised to be in our midst. You don't have to face tomorrow alone. See, he is a present God. Our shepherd is present. When God spoke in that great passage in Exodus chapter number 3 where Moses again goes up earlier in his life, goes up to the mountain. As he goes up, he, he steps into the very presence of God. He sees an unusual sight. He sees this bush that is consumed with fire, but yet it is not burning up like most wood that are on fire. He's instructed by God to take off his shoes because the ground that he's standing on is holy ground. Why? Why is that ground holy? Because it's where God is. He's stepping into the presence of God. Folks, do you realize when you pray to God, you are coming into the very presence of God? I really believe when we worship, that if we're worshiping Him in truth and in spirit, we are stepping into His presence. He's a present God. Moses, he thought to himself as God began to instruct him, that I want you to go to Pharaoh. Moses, I want to use you to deliver my people. Now Moses had grown up in the palace. Moses knew of the power and the might of, of Egypt. He knew many of the things that were not of God. They were actually uh, demonic things and powers that honestly were, were very troubling to Moses. And he knew how powerful Pharaoh really was. And of course, we can read the Bible and we read about the plagues and all that went on during this particular time. But notice what it says in Exodus 3 and verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He says, Moses, that's what I want you to tell them. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now you study that out. Notice he says, I am that I am. God did not say to Moses, I was. He did not say to Moses, I will be. He did not say to Moses, I used to be. You know, that's the God that many, even Christians today, are serving. The God that used to be. God, we used to have revival. We used to see a moving of God. No, no, no. I am that I am. Our shepherd is present. He is a present God. God is not a God of the past and future things. Certainly we've seen him work, but the truth is he is a God always present. He is eternally existent. God has always been and he always will be. He has no beginning and no ending. That's why he told Moses, he says, you tell them that I am has sent me unto you. 
You see, this means when you think of your life and mine, what does that hold for us today? Same thing it did for Moses in his day. The truth is, when you see this statement, it means whatever we're facing in life, God is always present. Miss Caitlin, when she goes to have the baby, God's going to be there with her. When somebody goes to have a surgery, God's going to be with them. Folks, understand as his sheep that our shepherd is present. He's with us. And notice what Jesus, you think about what he said to Moses in Exodus chapter number 3. But look what Jesus said over in John chapter number 8 in the New Testament. Jesus said, yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his sayings. Notice, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Did you notice what he just said there? Your father Abraham. He rejoiced to see my day. He looked forward to seeing my day and he saw it. And he was glad. Notice what the Jews said unto him. Well, thou art yet 50 years old. You're, you're not even 50 years of age. And hast thou seen Abraham? And you know what they were doing. They were thinking humanly. Just like Mary, when she found herself with child, she said, how can this be? I've never been with a man. Listen, God can do the supernatural. Again, God is eternally existent. Naturally speaking, sure, if he was, wasn't even 50 years old, there's no way that he could have seen God. But notice, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, notice I am. He says, look, I was around long before Abraham came on the scene. You know why? Because I've always been here. You see, you, listen, you look at all the religions of the world, they all began with a man or a woman. But not true Bible Christianity. You see, we, we serve an eternal God. Our shepherd is present. And the question tonight is, in your life, and you think about our shepherd, our God, do you really think about him, who he really is? A lot of times I find myself sitting there thinking about how God has always been for us. He's the God of the present. I know this, that no matter what I face, what I'm going through, that God is there for every situation in my life. He's greater than anything that I will face, and he's greater than anything you will face. And I love it when he says here in verse number four, get this now. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Personally, he's with us. Thy rod and thy staff, although they can be used in a certain way, he says they comfort me. I love the thought here. Again, the rod pictures the powerful word of God. The Bible, the Word of God, what does it do for us? It instructs us. That's what the rod would do is 
the rod would bring about instruction in our lives, that the Word of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Look, God gives His Word to us just like that rod in our lives to instruct us, and the staff represents the Spirit of God. Well, what does God's Spirit do? It guides us. Remember, Jesus said that I will send you another comforter that he may guide you into all truth. God gives us his word to instruct us. God gives us his spirit to guide us. What is it that comforts you today? Boy, the things of this world don't bring comfort, especially when we're going through dark trials and valleys, the shadow of death. But I'll tell you this, one thing that would not comfort me would be two sticks in somebody's hand, especially if that hand was the Lord's. See, that's not really what thy rod and thy staff represent. People get hung up on the instruments, and certainly that's what they are, a rod and a staff. But you really have to look at what they represent. Because when you think of the rod and the staff, what comforts me is that the rod represents God's authority, God's power. And when you think of the staff, what does that represent? Well, certainly it represents his support. Do you know in your life that God has given us his authority and his power? He's given it to us as his sheep. He wants us to use his power, his authority. And as we use his power and his authority, guess what he is doing? He is saying, I support you 100%. I'm for you. I'm behind you. I'm with you. And I don't know about you, but that brings great comfort to me. So, Pastor, where do you get that from? Turn in your Bible to Matthew 28, would you? Look at the end of Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 28. Thinking about his authority, his power as the rod of God, and you think about his support as the staff, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Look at, look at Matthew 28, verse 18. Notice Jesus came. This is after he had been crucified, before he had ascended to be with the Father. Jesus came and spake unto them, Notice what he says, all, what's the word, power, all authority, that's what he's saying, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Notice the beginning of verse 19, go ye therefore. What is he saying to us as Christians today, part of the church, part of his flock? He's saying, look, I am giving you my power, my authority to do my work in this world today. And that's great comforting to me to know that when I do something, I'm no, listen, nothing good is going to come out of it if I'm doing it in my own power. But if we go in his power, with his authority, what is our authority today? The word of God. The Word of God is what changes people's lives. See, that's the first part there that I see is just like that rod. He gives us His authority, His power. He says, 
all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. But notice also the staff. What is that? His support. If you're still there in Matthew 28, look at verse 20. The last part of this. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, as he gives us his power, his authority as his sheep, he says, look, I'm going to be with you. He says, you don't have to fear no evil. Why? Because I'm with you. My rod and my staff, that's where we find comfort. It's not in instruments that God uses on us as much as it is what he has given to us to do his work. I love this verse. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, as Christians, God has given us his authority, his power, and he has said that as you go, I will go with you. Will you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed? Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful reminder tonight from Psalm 23 and verse number 4, how personal of a God you are, how powerful you are, how present you are in our lives. Lord, as we begin this new week, I pray that you would help us to think about this verse. Lord, as we go through maybe some valleys, that you are with us. You comfort us. You are ever present with us. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.